Today, I wanted to take a look at a more generalized topic, uh, one that was brought up in a comments on one of our recent episodes about our radical philosophy as libertarian anarchists. And I think there's a really good discussion to have here on is being radical a bad thing? it going everybody welcome to liberty after dark i know we're back again so soon after the last episode I'm, I'm gone for a month and some change and now i'm back two episodes in the same week maybe this should be out by sunday if not saturday so yeah hopefully two episodes in the same week that's kind of what i was shooting for with all this we'll see if it works out regardless uh not too much housekeeping i just wanted to say a couple things before we got this ball rolling if you didn't know we're on float that's float.app at liberty underscore after underscore dark uh go check them out floats a really cool platform they are really focused on free speech and protecting your data your information your online persona from being in the hands of governments and corporations by promoting a decentralized platform based on again free speech principles so uh, no. Also, to answer your questions, I'm not being paid by them. As even though it may seem that way, and I can see how you might come to that conclusion, uh, no. Me and Float do not have any sort of gig. I just really believe in what they're doing, and I want to support them the best way that I can. And the only way that I really can do that, other than I guess I could throw them some cash, is to talk about them on this show. So, as I kind of prefaced all of this going forward, we're going to be talking about uh, our radical philosophy and i was saying uh our i'm going to be using a lot of the word we i'm going to be using some collectivist language not because i am attempting to collectivize all of you into one very specific niche group of people that all have the exact same mindset but because uh it makes for easier language so I will I will do my best. I promise I will do my best to avoid collectivizing as much as possible. And I will try to call it out when it is blatant collectivization for the sake of ease of language. But there will be some collectivized language. So consider this your collectivized language trigger warning um, <laughs> for those of you who might need it in the comments section. Now, moving forward, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that any of us who are, whether you want to call yourself a libertarian anarchist or whether you want to go and separate yourself a little more and just call yourself an anarchist or you want to go for an ANCAP or even some really well fleshed out forms of agorism, uh, you are part of a radical niche of political philosophy or if you just prefer philosophy. There is no denying that we are and i say we as again in in a, in a community sense not collectivizing us all as individuals who are some kind of robots that all believe identical things but we as a community are very radical very fringe very niche now that we have gotten that out of the way and we've addressed that let's talk about if that's actually a problem or not some of you, I am sure, came immediately out the gate 
with an answer already in your head. And it's no, it's not a problem to be a part of a radical philosophy. What I will say is that uh, I think it's interesting to explore why some people might disagree. So let's go ahead and let's play a bit of devil's advocate and think why would being a part of a radical ideology be maybe if not a problem, um, less than practical. How about that? We'll we'll give us uh, as much breathing room as possible here and and sugarcoat that as much as we can uh, to try to make a more easily defensible position. So. One thing that you hear all the time is that moderation and specifically any any of its byproducts are inherently a good thing, usually because they're built off of some sort of system of compromise, right? You very rarely hear that like peak rationalization is what brings about moderate principles and moderate philosophy. And there's a large amount of pragmatism that is involved in the functioning mechanisms of moderate beliefs, right? A lot of it is, well, I see this side, I see that side. Why don't we just kind of put them together and make things work, you know, and we should reject the most fringe, the most far outlying of that. Uh, I think that's a pretty fair interpretation of what typical moderate beliefs would be or what a moderate would explain themselves to be. I obviously am not a moderate. As I already said, I'm well entrenched into a radical political philosophy. But I, th I think that's a good starting place is that you have to identify your your two sides, I guess. I don't like using the word sides, but you have to identify the two positions that you're starting from. So you have your moderates, you have your radicals. And I'm, radical can in this case is not specifically just us. It could be anybody who is on any extreme full. And again, you know, they're all extreme in relation to the moderate, right? I feel like that's important to preface as well. And something I didn't actually think about when I was kind of outlining how this episode was going to go, all of the extremes are in reference to the moderate, right? And what identifies political extremism in particular is an unwillingness to compromise. Uh, that's, I think, one identifier. Another is having, again, an, a niche community which holds very uh, unintuitive, perhaps, maybe just non-conformist in the general sense. So there is, a, is an air of its nicheness making it extreme. Also, I think it's important to realize that usually any of the extremities, particularly of political philosophy, but I think this goes for all philosophies, whether you're looking at other extreme ideologies, such as like stoicism, is that they all have a very well-defined system of beliefs and they stick to it and they are principled, whether or not their principles are the same as our principles, or they have some sort of underlying set of principles that would preface the quote-unquote principles or fundamentals of their actual belief. I'm kind of dancing around other topics here at the moment, but I think you can kind of get what I'm saying. That there, there might be underlying principles that are less obvious and a lot more principled than what they say are their principles in some cases, but they exist, right? That's what I'm getting at, okay? The goal here is not to bash any particular group of extreme philosophies. We do a plenty of that in our normal content. But the moderates exist in between these spheres of influence, right? Because it's not like there's just two 
political philosophies that exist or just two extreme philosophies in general that exist, like a left and a right or or libertarian and an authoritarian. There's, you know, in the best case scenario, if you want to simplify it enough, there's the political compass idea where there's the four quadrants of political theory, which I think is extremely oversimplified. Uh, there's several others. There's the diamond, which puts authoritarianism to the top and libertarianism to the bottom. And each of them have converging points, which pulls them away from left and right. I think that's also an oversimplification of the topic. But there are lots of ways we can look at this. Whether you want to use a 3D model to map more axes of ideological differences. Uh, I mean, a great example is if you want to go to like the total extreme of this is you could go to JREG, which a lot of his content, I'd say the overwhelming majority of it is some form of satire or social commentary. But he does. Uh, one of his is I think it's a hundred political axes scale, which weighs a philosophy based off of each of its settings on this hundred axis scale. And it's sort of a meme, but it, it is also very apt to how people conventionally view uh, the assortment of political ideologies. And it's a scale, right? No matter how many axes you have, there are scales. And each scale goes from a tiny bit to a lot bit, or from, from one end of the scale could be, let's just take a very example, easy example, libertarianism, authoritarianism, left, right, or you could just have a zero to a hundred scale. It doesn't matter. Either way, we're looking at how close to this idea something is, right? And a moderate or a centrist, if you would prefer to call them that, now that I've invoked the, the JREG, there is a certain amount of that identity that is wrapped up in not being an extreme, right? Just like you could say in a criticism to that point that there's a certain amount of being an extremist that is about not being a centrist. There is a lot about being a centrist that is about not being an extremist. And I think people a lot of times have to make hard choices when it comes down to picking an ex picking a side. You know, you hear this all the time. I think the best example of this is probably in the voting season. You got to pick a side. You got to pick a team. Um, usually those teams consist entirely of political affiliations instead of philosophical affiliations. Uh, you'll see a lot of people of different philosophical backgrounds and, and beliefs inside of one political party, which kind of throws the whole thing out of whack. But let's think of it just in terms of philosophical teams. Okay. And if you want to detach yourself from this as much as possible, let's pretend someone came up to you and was trying to convince you to be a practitioner of stoic philosophy, right? Let's just pretend we're back in the day. It's all the rage, whatever. It's, you know, still very niche, still very much not a, a moderate position to be in. Uh, it's a very extreme way of living your life, right? Most people would have an aversion to that. And I think all of us have some sort of measurable degree of centrism in us, which I think is really starting. We're starting to kind of unify this whole topic together and looking at how these things may not be as different as we think they are, but I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. Whether or not we are specifically radical in our political philosophy or in our family doctrines or traditions or whatever other sphere of your life or how clean your car is, whatever you're extreme about, there's something that you aren't, right? Some of us are very extreme about keeping our workspaces tidy, and some of us don't really care. They don't really have a horse in the race. They're not pro-dirty necessarily, 
but they're definitely not pro. I have to keep everything meticulously clean. Um, they're what you would call normal in a lot of situations. Um, but it doesn't mean that the person who wants a tidy workspace is wrong, right? Just like it doesn't automatically mean because the default is to be somewhere in the middle that someone who wants an extremely cluttered workspace is also right or wrong. It doesn't it doesn't make a claim whether or not they are just whether or not they're right just because of what part of the axis they're on. So this stoic comes up to you and he says, hey, listen, I've got this great idea. Let me talk to you about it. And you say, wow, that is crazy. Like that is so different from any other frame of reference that I have of viewing the world and how I live my life that I, I just am not comfortable with it. I, I, I just am not comfortable with it at all. And so I'm not interested, you know, but does that make anything that the Stoics believe or teach or lived wrong? No, it doesn't. It doesn't in the slightest. There's nothing about that that refutes any of the claims that they make as far as how to live a fulfilled life or how to at least maybe not fulfilled a, a, a uh, <laughs> for lack of a better word, uh, content. We'll, we'll say content life. I'm sure the stoics in the crowd will come out and yell at me for using the word content as that has some emotional connotations that may not necessarily be in line. Uh, they, regardless, I'm not going to get bogged down in discussing the details of stoic philosophy at the moment. Uh, there, we're, we've approached the point now to where we've basically identified what the core issue is in actuality with people who aren't in a particular extreme position looking from the, I guess, inside of the spectrum out, right? It, it looks so different from what their worldview is, which is usually just built off of what is more consensus-based than anything, right? Than built off of any sort of actual fundamental understanding of the world or their particular issue that they are going to be engaging in this philosophy with or, or however it may be sorted and spelled out. It comes with a certain lack of engagement, but a primary goal of minimizing disruption while maximizing potential opportunities. And so why, why would I say that, right? Why would I make the claim that it has to involve with minimizing disruption, maximizing potential opportunities? Well, that's typically where compromise comes in to begin with, right? Because compromise is all about seeking the most utilitarian decision between two extremes, usually, right? I want pizza, you want tacos, we'll get taco pizza, right? That would be a compromise. It's not what either of us want, but it's pretty close. I mean, I'm not a big fan of taco pizza, but it was the first thing that came to my mind. And that's one way of, of interpreting what the fundamentals behind a compromise is, right? But sometimes it becomes very difficult for centrists and moderates to compromise with people the more extreme they are. And that's because the more extreme you are, usually the more founded you are in your beliefs, the more you have the capacity to engage in debate, to disagree, to back up your disagreements. And that leads inevitably to conflict. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a bad conflict, right? Like conflict isn't always a bad thing. There has to be disagreements sometimes. Sometimes people are wrong and people are right. Now, the issue, and I think what gets to the the real crux from the position of a centrist or moderate is when someone is so 
trapped, I guess there's no better way to put it. Someone is so trapped inside of their own philosophy that they are unable to see anything outside of that or be proven wrong. I'm sure you guys can think of a lot of different examples. I'm sure people would think of us as a different kind of example. And this kind of gets to what I think is going to be the main point. Now that we're 16 minutes in, we can finally get to the main point of all this. We've already established that there's nothing inherently wrong with being extreme. But one thing that can be wrong if you are someone who is a part of one of these extremes is cutting yourself off entirely from everything else because you, you think you've got it, right? We talk a lot and we haven't really so much on this show, but we as a community talk a lot about wanting to learn and engaging and being good students of, of knowledge, be, wanting to learn more, wanting to be exposed to more. But I also, at the same time, See, a lot of people, and, and yeah, I'm guilty of this as well. I don't want to come off of this as like I am looking down upon you, casting shame. Uh, I'm just as guilty of this in, in my own way, and it's something that I have to work on all the time is not just blowing people off. Even when they may give what I personally, on a first glance, would think to be a less than satisfactory argument, uh, I, I am guilty of times just blowing off people because – I'm not interested in engaging in that level of conversation now. Overall, I think most of these times where I've blown someone off has been online. And I think that online is probably the worst way to have one of these conversations. I think using your voice is a significantly better way of having one of these conversations. But if you are, you know, regardless, it doesn't really matter, right? In the format of which I blew someone or someone blew someone off or cloistered themselves further into their own philosophy is kind of an issue. I mean, you know, maybe I'm overblowing this a little bit and you can let me know in the comments, but I think it's important for us to maintain some sort of skepticism of our own ideas, which I think is what people who see us as this extreme political philosophy, for lack of a better word, there is a certain amount of closed-mindedness that exists. And I don't, I, I, this is very, I have to try to very carefully dance around this because I don't want to misconstrue what I'm saying. Um, I do think for the overwhelming majority of topics that I have to deal with personal interactions and society and how we are to engage with others and the ethical framework by which you should engage peacefully in said society is right. I wouldn't be in front of this microphone talking about it if I didn't think that there was some grain of truth to all of this. And I think there's a lot more than a grain of truth. I think there's several bags of sand worth of truth to all of this. And I want to make one more branch. And it may seem a little off topic at first, but I promise when it all comes together, I think we're all going to come away from this having an overall appreciation for the topic. And that's having a genuine discussion, right? So, okay, Christian, what, what does that mean? What, is, what does it mean to have a genuine discussion? If you have ever gone into a conversation with the sole goal of proving someone wrong just to prove yourself right, you have gone into a conversation with bad faith. And I think that's something that is very important 
for us to identify because we've glorified winning the debate so much that we failed to understand what the primary objective of the debate should be, right? You should go into a debate or any of these conversations with everything you have, all of your best ammunition, even though I, I hate using the word ammunition because it comes off as so combative, but for lack of a better word, for the fourth time, I think today that I've said that coming in with all of your best ammunition and either way that it ends, you should feel better. You shouldn't feel like you have to win to get something out of that conversation. Now, there are definitely cases where people come in who have do not have that same intention, even if you do, and it is very difficult to have a productive conversation, and it isn't a fun time, and it isn't productive for anybody involved. But overall, I think we should default to having a conversation that is built off of being okay with winning or losing, right? And I, so when I say winning or losing, it's such a bad way of thinking about it because the only thing you have to lose is a wrong idea. Let me, let me just say that again, just to make sure it's very abundantly clear. This is what got me to where I am today, away from the very regressive political philosophies that came before this, right? I had to throw everything, every preconceived notion I had about political philosophy out the window and say, if any of it's wrong, I have to reject it. If it's proven wrong, I have to give it up. And I have to accept that what has been presented thus forth that disproves what, what I previously, previously believed is correct until proven otherwise. Now notice, I didn't say is correct and is written in stone and is infallible and can never be proven wrong. What I said was, is correct until proven otherwise. The overwhelming majority of us operate off of this notion that there is some kind of truth to the universe, or at least whatever topic that we have in front of us, right? Whether it's political engagement in society or, or just societal interactions in general, whatever the topic is, there has to be some sort of, of underlying truth to it all that we're searching for, right? That's why we care about these things, because we want to find the truth of it, because the truth has to be the right answer, right? And that's what the truth is. <laughs> it is the truth. And when we think we found it, it's very easy for us to fall into these pitfalls of blotting out everything else. Like, okay, we've got it. This is the truth. But the quest for the truth is never ending, right? So while an extremist is more prone, I think, to falling into the trap of, okay, I have found my truth. Everything else is a lie. Does it doesn't really matter what they say. This is my truth, right? I mean, just look from, uh, and I'm using myself as an example. I'm sure many of you who are listening to this have gone through a similar transformation and understand what I'm getting at. But look at the beginning of the show to now. Um, I, I am... I have changed dramatically. I wasn't even an anarchist when this show started. And granted, that was, you know, a year and some change ago at this point. And while you probably couldn't point back to a specific episode, maybe you could, I don't know, but you probably couldn't point back and, and look at an episode where I said, no, no, I, I am wrong. 
I need to change the fundamental ideas that govern my philosophy. Usually we have a conversation back in those days when we would do like a lot of interviews. I'd have a conversation with someone. We'd agree. We'd disagree. We'd bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, and then from there, we would kind of branch outwards and, you know, go go live the rest of our lives. And usually it's in that lull time when the seeds have been planted by the other person when I would start really mulling things over. And, you know, whether or not that's my own personal pride getting in the way of like a, a more speedy transition, I think what's important is, is that it, it happened to begin with. Right. I think most of us could agree that the end goal of this is to gain something to better ourselves as truth seekers, to get closer to the truth. And it's better to reach it eventually than never is kind of the perspective that I have on it, especially when I look back at my own life. And so to start wrapping all of this up, I'm going to use a generalization to convey a concept. And I don't think this is true for everyone. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not true for a lot of people. But in general, I would rather debate or have a conversation with someone who is on an extreme than I would a centrist. And the reason is, is because someone who is a centrist is usually not grounded in any sort of fundamental ideology to begin with, or any sort of core underlying fundamental principles. And if they are, it's usually based off of a fundamental system of pragmatism. And pragmatism as a philosophy is a real thing within its own school of teachings and its own view of the universe. But uh, it's not one that is, has been able to convince me yet in the same way that any number of religions have their own philosophies and their own views of the universe. Now, does that mean that I should automatically throw a pragmatist idea out? No, obviously, we just talked about that. I just gave it a full, what, at least five minutes, maybe more on how we should hear these people out. But I think I, I have more to gain personally from seeing the other side of the story on one of these issues, someone who is, or someone who is on the same, maybe even more extreme than I am. Okay. Like, there are some people who <laughs> I used to think were like loons that they were like, I'm not as extreme as they are. And almost as like, as that was like a sign of, or a badge of honor when in reality, they were just bringing the logical extent of the fundamental principles that I, I said, I believed in, uh, into, question and therefore into implementation and practice. And that's something that I think a lot of us uh, can gain from is engaging with these people who are extreme in a political philosophy. Now, do I think all political philosophies are created equal? No, obviously not. Uh, do I think all philosophies in general are created equal? No, I also do not. But do I think that you should just shut someone down immediately because they identify as or claim to associate with or you have heard from someone else that they have or you have heard in the past that they associate with a particular group etc yada yada no i i don't think that's the case so to sort of directly address the person who made the comments not like putting them on blast or anything but i think that saying that something is extreme as like a pejorative or like an insult or or it's like a, a word of caution doesn't really make a lot of sense because you could be extreme about anything. You know, what, what is uh, J-Regs is radical anti-centrism, but there's 
realistically people who exist as radical centrists or anti-radical centrism. I can't remember exactly. Someone can let me know in the comments. But I want to also clarify one thing. This is not some sort of call to arms or whatever, saying that you must pick some extreme side. If you are completely happy in your life living in whatever state it is now, I'm not going to make any assumptions about how you specifically live your life, but if you're one of these people who would consider yourself a moderate or a centrist and you hold a little bit of this and a little bit of that, that's fine. Just avoid what we talked about earlier. I believe that the concepts that we've talked about are just as applicable to someone who is an extreme of any variety or is as a locked down centrist or moderate no matter what and won't see any of the other sides or listen to any of them are just as bad as an extremist who does the same thing. So if you are an extreme libertarian anarchist and you refuse to listen to anybody out, it doesn't make you any better if you then turn into an extreme centrist who doesn't listen to anybody. Uh, I guess you would have had to to transition to a centrist, but that's not really my point here. <laughs> what I'm getting at is we got to listen to each other. I think that's really what this comes down to. I think extremism gets a bad rap because overall you are more likely to shut off your ability to listen and process and reason with other people if you are one of these extreme groups. But I think that that also goes for anyone who holds any founded conviction, whether it's a well-founded conviction or not. I think it goes for everybody. So we just have to identify the fact that we are here not to prove libertarian anarchism right or whatever your personal political philosophy or or way of thinking of life is. We're here to get closer to the truth, whatever that is. If some revolutionary work of philosophy and ethics comes out that reaffirms everything Karl Marx said, I would have to to be intellectually genuine, take a step back and take a good look at it. No, I would take a very long, hard look at it. Just as much as I would take any long, hard look at any book that someone would bring me by Rothbard or Kant or any of my other favorite intellectuals of any particular given era, you know? Whenever you're analyzing any sort of information or truth claims, you got to do your due diligence. Doesn't matter if it comes from someone who's from your own side. And everything I said today should be taken the exact same way. Um, I mean, I guess if you wanted to, you could take me at at face value. I think I've, I'm trying my best to be as genuine as possible and to be as fair as possible in this conversation. But uh, yeah, I think the next time you see someone who's like trying to bash you for not being super moderate, uh, you don't have to defend yourself by saying oh, well, you know, we're not that extreme. We're not as extreme as these people. We just want to leave people alone. It's okay to be extreme. There's nothing wrong with being extreme as long as you're reasonable in doing so. I think that is where the negative, like the negative connotation exists that if you are a part of one of these fringe political ideologies, you must be an extremist zealot who is unable to listen or reason or, or, or have any sort of rationality from that point on almost like a cult member, right? I think that's probably the best way of putting it. it. Members of any extreme are treated like 
they automatically live in a cult. It's almost like a stereotype. And not to say that that doesn't exist. It definitely does. And we see it all the time, every day. But that's entirely up to you. It has nothing to do with the philosophy or group that you are a part of or your personal political or philosophical leanings. It's entirely up to you and how you handle that. So I hope we all either learned something or enjoyed the conversation today. But I think we're just about done with that topic and beating that particular dead horse. If you guys enjoyed the show, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, I'm going to be looking at upgrading some of my equipment. I've been having some issues with audio recently, which has been very annoying, kind of frustrating. But, um, you know, it's just part of doing these sorts of things. So looking at getting a new microphone soon, maybe a new mixer. Um, so look forward to that in the future. And I will try from now on to do one episode a week. It may be one every two weeks or one every, one after two weeks and then another on another week, but you know, whatever. If you like the show, check us out on float at float.app slash liberty underscore after underscore dark. You can find us there. Keep track of the show. We'll let you know when new stuff's coming out or if we plan on doing anything live, which there's nothing planned at the moment, but who knows? Maybe if there's another presidential debate, we'll do that again. Uh, but yeah, that's really all I've got for you guys. And take it easy.